0: Thanks for joining us again on Soul Talks. And this week we're continuing our series on Reform. and We're inviting you to join us at the Soul Shepherding Institute. This week we've got a 20-minute teaching. The first 10 minutes I'm teaching on my story of being in the cycle of works in my first half of my life. And then the second, Bill is sharing his story of that. And then we both need share our story on learning this new way, the Jesus way. The cycle of grace and how it makes such a difference in our lives.
1: So come on into the Soul Shepherding Institute with us.
0: Many of us fall into thinking the Christian life is this cycle of works. Uh, we have, we, we maybe think that the law or um, things we're told to do as a Christian uh, is this list of expectations, expectations that are, are put on us. I've got to make sure that I don't I don't lust and I don't covet and I don't lie and I don't take anything that isn't mine and that I go to church on Sunday and I honor my mother and father and we're, and we're thinking about all these things that we need need to do and we're trying to achieve them. We're trying to achieve these things and then we're evaluating our ego based on our achievements. Oh, I, you know, I gave this much money at church and I served this many hours and I uh, spent this much time in quiet time and I went on this missions trip and I'm... You know, I'm, I'm doing all these things for God. And the problem is it, it builds up our ego and our false self. And it's it very much we can slip into this earning mentality and think that we've got to do all these things to please God or all these things to bear fruit even, to, to be fruitful. But the problem is it leaves us empty. It leaves us anxious. It leaves us in patterns of living a life of hurry. It leaves us exhausted It leaves us sometimes resentful and even angry at God. I'm doing all these things for you, God. And, you know, um, we're feeling like his expectations are a heavy yoke. We contrast that with the cycle of grace. Um, In the cycle of works, it's all our initiative. We're depending upon self. It's all about what we're doing. But in the cycle of grace, God's the initiator. And we're responding. We're agreeing with his grace. And we're moving in agreement with God's grace uh, trusting Him, we're securely attached to Him, we're in that easy yoke with Him, and our energy and our motivation for what we do comes from the Lord, from His Spirit. It's not from us trying to earn something or to achieve something. And then our esteem is more of a, a humble confidence. It's it's coming out of our new self and our confidence in Christ and Christ with us, not relying on our false self and our own abilities. And then out of that, we're able to do effective work and and bear good fruit. And so this cycle of works has this performance pressure with it that burns us out. And the cycle of grace is a relationally healthy cycle rhythm of life with God, where we're in his easy yoke, and we're joining with him in what he's doing in the life he's called us to. That cycle of grace isn't passive either. The cycle of grace is where you are actually moving in step with God's Spirit, and you're working with Him, and you're using the gifts He's given you, and you're fulfilling His call. But it's it's like what Jesus models for us. You're only doing what the Father tells me to do. It's Jesus? I'm only doing what the Father tells me to do. The cycle of grace we're doing with Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Father is telling us to do, not what somebody else is telling us to do or what we're trying to do to prove our worth or to try to prove ourselves to God or to try to overcome a sense of shame or in trying to earn favor with God or those kinds of things. Yeah. So actually the behaviors could actually be the same in the cycle of works and the cycle of grace. But where are we doing it from? Are we doing it out of our own flesh relying upon and flesh isn't bad. Flesh is good. We all have a lot of good flesh. It's our natural gifts and abilities. But am I relying on those or am I relying on Christ and his grace and his power and the power of the spirit? It's a big difference. So let let us illustrate this, how we get our own rhythm of life, how we get formed in a rhythm of life that could very much be a cycle of works. Um, and how discovering that and becoming conscious and aware of that can actually help us to get out of that rhythm and in to this rhythm of grace. So what that looked like for me, um, we, like I told you, we're all getting a spiritual formation. It's not necessarily a healthy one or a, or a good one or a godly one. Um, so for me, I was blessed to be born and raised in a, a family that loved the Lord, and, and I was prayed for before I was conceived. And my um, my mom's family's Quaker, my dad's family's Baptist, and we went to a evangelical church before um, I was born. And so I had a lot of good Bible teaching as a child, and I had a lot of training in what life as a Christian should look like. And so I learned pretty early on how to be a good girl, how to please people. I got rewarded for that. I was in uh, worldly birds at church, you know, or you, you memorize verses and you earn rewards and stars and privileges and accolades and, and all of that. And, um, so I, I got caught up in this cycle of works pretty on, but what it looked like for me was that, oh, there's all these expectations, My parents have expectations, my school teachers have expectations, my Sunday school teachers have expectations, my choir teacher has expectations, my church, you know, there's and there's all these kind of unspoken rules, and I got really good at learning what they were, and then trying to achieve them, because when I did that, I learned that things went better for me. I learned that I could secure myself. I learned that I could avoid getting in trouble. And I would learn from other people's mistakes because I'd see my sisters not obey the rules and then the consequences. Or I'd see my cousin not obey, you know, rebel. And I was, I, I can remember at times just thinking, Feeling so much anxiety because they were disobeying the rules or weren't meeting the expectations and I knew what was going to happen to them. And I, you know, I was ultra sensitive to that. So I got really good at this, figuring out the expectations, achieving them to feel good about myself, to feel secure in myself. And, and got caught up and this became before long unconsciously my rhythm of life I was the good girl and I was the one beating all these sh- achievements so even taking this into college you know I was a chaplain and I went on a mission trip and I was part of the service Christian service council and I was you know then I was going to be the RA and then the head RA because I was you know I was going to do it all right and I was going to achieve it all and of course it was all in my mind very much justified for God but in truth and in reality, it was very much underlying about wanting to feel good about myself, wanting to secure myself, and one of the main ways I wanted to do that is I wanted everybody else to think highly of me. I wanted to please people. Well, hit you know midlife, and I'm tired. I've worn myself out. I'm exhausted. I you know spending half my time at the church, serving in the church, and I'm in private practice. You know, and I've got three little kids at home and my life is so busy of this orbiting around church life and all this good stuff I'm doing for God and all this busyness for God. And we go away on a retreat and we're given five hours of solitude and silence with the Lord. And I you know, I hadn't had this. I had three little kids. It, just, it had been a long time since I had this generous space of time with the Lord or, or nothing I had to do. And I remember going for a walk and feeling the sense of, I don't even know what speed to walk. I'm either rushing to catch up with Bill and keep in step with his long legs, or I'm slowing down, trying to walk at the pace of my youngest child, who's, you know, going slow or trying to slow down to be present to them. And I'm kind of like, I don't even know what pace to walk. I I don't even know my pace. My rhythm's always oriented around other people who I'm with. I match their rhythm to try to please them. And I started to become aware of this, and I felt like, you know, the Lord just kind of spoke to me. It's okay, Christy, I'll walk at whatever pace you walk. You find your pace. I'll match it. Let me, let me walk with you. Uh, don't try to figure out how you, how you need to walk with me right now. I'll walk with you. You find your pace. And it was just like, oh, grace. <laughs> you know, it was a grace. Well, I was climbing a mountain um, where we were at this retreat center, and after a while, I was. The altitude was getting to me. It was feeling hard. I was feeling tired, and it. My body started to feel what my whole soul was feeling. Tired. I've been striving. Life's been hard, and I started to argue with the Lord in in, in prayer. I was like, you know, this verse of Matthew eleven came to me. I was like, you say. You're yoke is easier your burdens light but it's not as hard it's exhausting this this is hard this is how i feel in life like i'm just striving to make it to the top and i just i can't do it and your standards are too high and your yoke is too hard it's not easy and i just kind of started complaining to the lord and um god in his grace gave me plenty of time to do that but then spoke very gently to me through my thoughts whose yoke do you think you're wearing? (laughs) Uh, Whose yoke? This was before we, you know, we had studied any of this or learned any of this or God had revealed any of this to us. We hadn't written easy yoke or memorized this passage or anything. We'd read it, but it'd never come alive to us. You know, it had more kind of been, yeah, this yoke is a hard yoke. You know, life, Christian life is hard. I got to do all this. We were still very much in the cycle works. And I remember that the Lord kind of said, you know, Christy, my yoke for you isn't the yoke that you think it is. My yoke for you doesn't look like Dallas's, Dallas Willard's yoke. My yoke for you doesn't look like Bill's yoke. My yoke is perfectly fitted and suited for you, with your personality, with your gifting, with your
1: call. So and that's why you read a testament of devotion at the beach yep. instead of on yeah. your knees at yeah. a prayer <laughs> bench.
0: Because if I had to do it that way, I'd never do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and so it was just really a big shift for me to be able to recognize i was living a rhythm of life that was not of the lord here i thought it was i thought it was righteous in fact i would tell you i had it i i even in my ego i had a lot of pride attached to that i was pretty proud of the life i was living at that time and all that i was doing for god and i would have thought that you know god was very pleased with me so it was a great wake-up call for me, and it, it's a great grace when you can really look honestly at the rhythm of life that you're living, and you can really look at this honestly and see, you know, where do I slip into this cycle of works, and where am I missing this cycle of grace, and, and, and even praying, asking God to increase your vision of the, the rhythm of life that He has for you. But Bill, you've, you've had your own rhythm, too. It's been different than mine.
1: And uh, comment on what you're saying that's, that's so good, Christy you're bringing out the, um, the danger of us just trying to be like Jesus and the way that you describe this with you're walking uh, in solitude and silence, you're trying to find your pace and you're tempted to sort of follow how you've been trying to keep up to, with my pace or slow down to the kids' pace and you don't know the pace. And the Lord says to you that's okay. You just walk. I'll, I'll find your pace and walk with you. And it's, it's sort of disarming and surprising. It's like, well wait a minute, and, and Christie needs to get in pace with Jesus. And, and of course there's truth to that, but how do we do that? What does what the incarnation mean anyway? Well Jesus takes on human skin. So Jesus comes into your personality, mm-hmm. into your feelings, your experience, mm-hmm. your strengths, your weaknesses, and He finds your pace. And then now you're, you're tuning together. And in that you find Jesus pace for you. Yes. And see this this sort of brings out the danger of you know what would Jesus do? It's like, okay, well, that's that's good, but you just have to be careful with that because what we tend to do is think, oh, okay, okay, it's 2000 years ago, I'm wearing a robe and sandals, I'm in Israel and I'm the son of God, what would I do? It's like that is not going to work very well for us. <laughs> so, but if we if we see Jesus coming to us, and knowing us, our, our idiosyncrasies and our, our uniquenesses and, and connecting with us, caring for us, helping us understand ourselves and giving Himself to us, right? And So we, we, we trust in the Lord, we receive His empathy and His grace and now we're becoming, we're, as we're internalizing Christ the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, now that's giving us the grace and the power to start to become like Jesus, but within our context, within our unique personality, our our ethnicity, our geography, uh, etc. That's, that's the point of becoming like Jesus. It's this whole process of relationship which starts with Him coming to us. So in, in my case where I have been really out of sync with Jesus' rhythm for me is in type anus. And so my, my history, and I'm sure it's my genetics, you know, oldest uh, uh, firstborn uh, son, my dad's firstborn son, my grandpa's firstborn son, uh, grandpa worked in the steel mills, uh, both my grandfathers worked in the steel mills in the Chicago area, both strong. Strong personalities. Uh, my my mom's father, very much a fir- firstborn, was named Charles, which means warlike, and he was very warlike. He he negotiated for uh, Wisconsin Steel uh, against the union, so he was for the company, and uh, he negotiated against the labor union to, to keep the steel steel mills running and profitable. And he never lost. <laughs> he never lost. Mm-hmm. He, he was someone that you could never win an argument with, my, my grandfather. And he didn't even come to Christ until he was in, in his uh, 60s. And then when he did... He, he brought 65,000 people with him to Christ who are in heaven now because he became so on fire for the Lord. And God took all of that, that energy and all of that, that power and all that confidence and humbled it and gentled it and infused it with his grace. And so he, he would walk into Cook County Hospital in Chicago, Illinois, and he would say, who wants to hear about Jesus Christ? And because of who he was, and the force of his personality, and the humility and love that was coming through it, people would flock around him, and they, they would ask for prayer, and they would they would receive the Lord. And so I come from this stock of strength and, and determination that my parents even named me Will I am. <laughs> and so I've never I've always thought that I, I could I could get where I need to go by effort. I was the smallest guy on uh, our football team on the offense, and I played fullback. And that's the lead blocker for the halfback. That's the one that powers through the middle. And I, I led the team in touchdowns because I had determination. People couldn't tackle me because my legs just kept pumping and I would flip around the other side. And, and they called me Thunder Thighs because I was so <laughs> determined and, and, and powering through. And so I just always thought that motivation and effort could get me wherever I needed to go. My sister was born with smarts. I mean she'd just get A's without even trying. And she knows the answers to everything. Real intellectual, real smart. And I always felt like I could never keep up with her. But I got A's too by trying hard. By being strategic. And so I had this sense of confidence that I could get wherever I needed to go with my own effort. And that took me a long ways in terms of this, this world. But it also was exhausting me. And there's a lot of anxiety embedded in that. And so I'm, in, as, as a Christian, as a Christian leader, I'm living by the mentality more, better, faster, all the time. And what happens when you've got, uh, whatever your personality is and whatever your sort of your attitudes and beliefs about life are is that we, we bring that into the scriptures, even if you're seminary trained and you know good hermeneutics, we tend to have these biases about our, entering into our theology and how, how we're reading the scriptures. And so I would read Paul saying, redeem the time for the days are evil. I was like, yeah, work harder. Get more done because the time's going away, you know, We've got to do it for God. Not realizing that all this self-effort and, and self-striving and even ego that was embedded in that. So as I'm into my 30s, I'm, I'm hitting into burnout. I'm hitting into overload. It's like this is just, this is just too much. I'm uh, a therapist in, in private practice, 20 hours a week, which is considered full-time, but in my mind that's half-time. So I'm also working at the church, and I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm pastor of spiritual formation, not full-time, half-time, but there's a lot of hours, a lot of responsibility put those two together. And we've got little kids at home But fortunately the Lord has begun to work in me and so I'm not writing books in this season and I'm I'm learning to be uh, beginning to learn to sort of quiet down and not be so ambitious and and be more relational with uh, Christy and the kids. But I'm still in in process with all of this. Of course I I still am now. But Then I was still largely in my personality in the throes of this ambition and and type A-ness and the Lord was teaching me about this. Well a big lesson comes uh, as I'm going on a Saturday to a Lead Like Jesus seminar. So I'm I'm going to the event and uh, as is typically the case, particularly this time in my life I'm, I'm running late. So I'm on the road uh, heading in for the seminar and I get behind a slow driver, you know, and I'm like uh, very frustrated and impatient because I'm trying to get through the light. And I, I knew that I was going about to miss this light because this-, <laughs> this woman slowed down. Well, sure enough, the light turns. And I just push through it anyway. Uh, and then I, I come to the left turn lane. The sign says no left turn. So I look around. There's nobody around, so I turn left anyway. <laughs> then I, I get into the uh, church parking lot. It's, it's a mega church, so we got stop signs in the church parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I mean, what are those four anyway when there's no traffic, there's nobody around? So I roll through the stop sign, and I get out of my car, and it's like, oh, five minutes late, you know, and I, I realize, you know, I just broke three traffic laws, and I'm going to a Lead Like Jesus <laughs> <laughs> seminar, and I'm a pastor, and it's like, well, that's why I don't have a fish in my car. <laughs> but I'm looking over my shoulders, wondering, I wonder if anybody sees me. Oh, hi, Pastor Bill. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's like you were saying, Teresa, it's like, yeah, I was that guy. Cut you off on the road, right? Uh, and I get in there. First thing Ken Blanchard is talking about is Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. You know, I mean, I knew that verse at this point, but I hadn't done much with living into it, you know, or understanding it even very well. And so the Lord was talking to me, talking to me about lack of margin in my life, about being in a hurry. And about the stress that goes with that and the opportunity to make more space in the nooks and crannies of life and to have more fullness of life by learning to abide in Jesus. And this was one of the turning points for me that fed into my spiritual renewal at at age 40. So that's that's a long time ago now. Uh, but it's something i never forget that, you know, if I'm in a hurry, I'm not going to be as, as effective in leading like Jesus, see? Because Jesus was not in a hurry, you see? So hurry is an example of that, that cycle of works where you're striving and straining uh, in, in self-reliance and there's a certain pride in there, you see? And so this is so ingrained in my biology and my personality. I couldn't begin to tell you, oh, I'm like free of this. You know, I'm still very much in process with de-stressing and, and draining away the hurry and the ambition. Not that ambition is bad, ambition surrendered to the Lord is wonderful. But it's in that surrender, in that yielding. And that slowing of of demeanor doesn't even necessarily mean that we can't move fast. There's a time to move fast, see? But even then, am I I in the yoke? Am I with Jesus? Am I following the Lord? And so that's that's the learning and the relearning for me and, and for some of you who are like me. And maybe all of us in some ways, we have some tendencies to hurry or to busyness that we slip out of that yoke. And so it's been a powerful uh, study and uh, meditation and just impression upon my mind and my heart to, to look at Jesus. I mean, honestly, I just, I just can't get enough of looking closely at the life of Jesus in the Gospels.
0: Bill, as we closed out that session, you said that you can't get enough of looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And I'm so grateful because you've helped me to feel that way, too, as you've made it so accessible, as you've studied the life of Jesus and you've put together these Bible studies from the life of Jesus and how he actually lived out his life on earth, these very things that he's teaching us.
1: I do that, first of all, for myself. Jesus means everything to me, and so I look to the Gospels with different questions I have about my life and how to be a good counselor, how to be a good leader of soul shepherding, how to love my family and my neighbor, and I look and see how Jesus did it and how he depended on the Father. And so these Bible studies have made their way into our soul shepherding resources. So the Easy Yoke book I wrote is uh, each chapter has a Bible study on Jesus and how he's in the Easy Yoke of the Father. And throughout the Institute, uh, most every session, we have a Bible study on Jesus in that area of his life and his walk with the Father and how he's enthralled with the Father and filled with the Father's love and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And we see that it's out of his abiding in the Father that he's able to be so wise and, and so compassionate to people and that his power to heal it comes out of his own intimacy with the Father.
0: Well, I love it because every time I open up one of our Soul Shepherding Institute books to prepare for a week we're going to be doing, I get way enthralled with Jesus again, reading those Bible studies and those snapshots. You've you've mined the treasures of scriptures there. It's kind of like those um, seek and find books, you know, where you, I spy books, you open up and you're supposed to find, you know, like... 10 trees or something like that. It's like you're doing that. You're looking at the scripture and you're looking for, okay, where's the times that Jesus is actually practicing his preaching on rest or practicing his preaching on NMC and only doing what the Father tells him to do? Or And you draw these out in themes or looking at Jesus as a leader. What did Jesus teach on leadership? And drawing that out is such a gift.
1: Yeah, when we were just spoke at, the, at Epicenter Church, uh, the lead pastor, John Lowe, uh, saw my book, because we had spoken on Jesus Easy Yoke for You, and he said, I've never seen an author's book, his own book, so dog-eared. And I said, well, yeah, I I, I like my book. I read it. <laughs>
0: and I do, too. <laughs> That's funny. Well, friends, we would love to have you join us at our upcoming Institute. It's such a blessing to be formed together in Christ, in community, uh, to be in a beautiful place, in a community with people to process it with and to have these experiences and to just each taking heart in greater enthrallment with Jesus and learning from him to be like him.
1: So come to our Soul Shepherding website and search on Institute and Spiritual Direction Training if you're interested in that option. And we'd love to have you in our community of women and men in ministry, all kinds of servants of the Lord.
0: Jesus, thank you. You are so amazing. So great. Never get tired of understanding you more and of looking at you and how you live this life. And what an example and inspiration you are. You are our hope. Amen.